from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Well, the jobs number is uh, by far and away the biggest data point of the week. It pretty much always is. You know, we'll probably have a little bit of a soft number because of Omicron, but um, we still got some booming job gains ahead. It's just going to take us a few months uh, to get there. We have to get past uh, all of these, um, you know, COVID restrictions and COVID-related uncertainty companies are facing right now. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast with Ryan and Jeff. There's a lot of things uh, that we want to discuss, Jeff, but do you just want to open the wound right now and get it over with? I just want this podcast to be over and it's only been going for what, about 10 seconds? Yeah, I know. I'll be, I'll be, we'll be gentle. So as most people know, if you listen to this podcast, a lot of you on Twitter and everywhere, it's really enjoyed the the back and forth. We did have a battle between my Bengals and Jeff's Chiefs. The Bengals pulled it out at the end. So I am in honor of this. If you're watching this on the YouTube channel, I'll stand up for a second. I'm wearing my Joe, my Joe Burrow jersey with a jacket over it. So it's a little, little work, little play. Um, I do sleep in this actually every night for the next 13 days, though, because I've worn it the last couple of games and they've kept winning. Jeff, you ever have one of those weird, um, I think we go this route, but again, we'll stop talking about the game. I know it hurts you a little bit. Well, maybe next week we'll talk more about it when the wounds aren't so fresh. Uh, do you have like any superstitions? Because I'm telling you, I told my boys, like we literally, everything we wore for that game, we're wearing the exact same thing for the Super Bowl. I know it's stupid, but you know what? <laughs> it's not going to be my fault if they lose. You do anything like that? You know, after the, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, I wanted to have the same meal. Yeah. At last year's Super Bowl, and, and that didn't work. So I guess now I don't have uh, any uh, superstitions anymore. That that's about it. I'm not too uh, not too superstitious in general. Well, usually I'm not, but you know what? First time in a long time the Bengals have made a Super Bowl. So I guess I'm gonna gonna keep doing. It. We'll just leave it at this. The Bengals were 0-11 two years ago. Obviously, Joe Burrow came to town and changed everything. Fastest ever from the number one pick to go to a Super Bowl. So. Good luck, obviously, to the Rams. Good luck to the Bengals. I'm clearly biased here, but hopefully it's a good Super Bowl. And it is amazing how great those divisional games were two weekends ago and then both those games in the championships, although maybe, you know, depends who you're rooting for, if you think it's a good game or not, but they were all good games. Amazing how the NFL seems to do that. But we've got a mission today to talk more about the stock market, guys. I mean, did the bottom just happen? You know, it feels like a lifetime ago, but a week ago, Jeff and I were talking about all of the the big flush that we saw, right, two Mondays ago. We have seen a pretty big bounce since then. So we're going to talk a little bit about was that potentially the bottom. We are going to start the discussion today, though, with a little bit of a re review. I mean, the Fed, Fed policy is a big deal. We had the Fed meeting last week. Fed didn't do anything with interest rates, but they did. They actually sound a little bit more hawkish than maybe people were expecting. We'll dive into that. And then also some recent economic data showing a, showing a little bit of cracks in the economy. Economy's still strong, don't get me wrong, but, but some cracks and some weakening. What does all that mean? Then we're going to finish it up with a fun one. So goes January, goes the year. I mean, you know, believe me, you never invest in this stuff blindly, but there is some some um some pretty good track record for January's up. The next 11 months usually pretty strong. January's down. Next 11 months can struggle. Guys, we just had the worst January since I believe 2009 uh, for stocks. So we're going to talk all about that. But Jeff, let's start talking about the Fed. So Jeff, you've had um multiple days to sleep on it. Then again, maybe sorry, take the knife and jab it here. Maybe you haven't slept as well the last couple of days, but you've had time to think about it. <laughs> what um. 
Yo, the Fed came off more hawkish. The market reacted accordingly on Wednesday with a lot of volatility and yields. I mean, my goodness, the two-year yield at one of its largest daily jumps ever, right? We're pricing in apparently five rate hikes now. What's your take, Jeff, from what the Fed had to say last week? Yeah, they, they've definitely surprised the market with how aggressive uh, their comments have been. Uh, you know, the, my question is, how could they surprise the market more, right? right. How, how could they potentially get more hawkish. That that would mean that we would have to worry about the Fed even more than we already are. And, and that's really hard to see. Um, you know, frankly, some folks out there saying six, seven hikes this year, that seems too aggressive. Some folks are saying 50 basis points in March. We think that's too aggressive. Uh, they, they don't want to disrupt markets. We think they're going to take it slow. And then later in the year, uh, when, you know, the Fed hikes start to slow the economy. Uh, and, um, you know, frankly, we get some of these supply chain disruptions behind us that can help inflation maybe uh you know things will look a little bit better in the second half and uh, the fed can can slow down a bit yeah absolutely so i'm just looking at my notes that i wrote back then it was really it seemed like jeff the minutes i'm not the minutes wrong word sorry the statement came out everything was fine right i remember i was supposed to be on tv at like three o'clock after the fed everything was calm then the Q and A started, and that's when the uh, that's when the fireworks started. You know, the one I guess Jeff, I want to ask you. I mean, Jerome Powell didn't push back on this during the Q and A. You know, they said, "Hey, there's like seven more meetings apparently the rest of this year." You know, could there be a hike at every one? And he didn't really push back on that. That really kicked off a lot of the volatility. Clearly, the Fed is still concerned about inflation and and comfortable, if you will, with the employment backdrop. I know we got a big jobs number this Friday, but you know, overall, Jeff, I mean. He, he definitely has really shifted, you know, uh, pivoted, I guess the word we should use, uh, pivoted in a big way. I mean, seven hikes <laughs> the rest of this year, that'd be like one of the most year, most hikes we've seen in any year, period. I mean, well, what's your take? Four, five, three? What, what do you think it'll be? We're throwing darts out there, by the way, but what do you think? Yeah, you know, we're, as we as we said in the past uh, few weeks, we're not the chief Fed watchers. Um, right. That's Lawrence Gillum, our chief, our chief. Um, uh, fixed income strategist, but um, you know, four seems like a, a reasonable guess. Could be five. Uh, it just depends on the path of inflation. But you know, we still think inflation is going to peak in the next few months. We're probably going to see a little bit of an uptick uh, in um, you know February, maybe March, and then we're going to see better year-over-year comparisons. And again, some of these supply chain issues. Hopefully, we get help from cooling geopolitical tensions that have pushed right. oil higher. All of these things could come together over the next several months and start to put downward pressure on inflation. That's certainly uh, something that the Fed will be watching. Absolutely. So also, you know, let's look back in history, right? In 2004, the first cycle of hikes back then, the Fed did five hikes that year. Stocks gained 9%. Not that bad. 2005, eight hikes. One of the most hikes any year's ever seen, 2005. S&P gained 3%. Not great, but, you know, hey, positive. Then in tw 2006, another four hikes. Stocks gained in 2006, 14%. So, again, those aren't massive, massive gains. But if I'm looking at it, you're talking, you know, pretty solid gains. So just because the Fed is hiking early in a cycle, we talked about this a lot the last couple of weeks. Usually that means you're more like mid-cycle, right? Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong. Usually there's, what, three years left before markets peak after the first hike? Isn't that what the study was we did? It's uh, an average of 40 months okay. and um, the average S&P 500 gain of close to 70%. Yeah, so that's, um, I think I'd take that. 
think most of us would another four years or 70 percent you know with all the stuff going on i think we take that but again the key concept what we talked about before when the fed starts hiking you're more mid-cycle you yes you can get more volatility in fact more volatility is likely what's one of the key themes we've been saying honestly a month ago before all this terrible january um happened we say hey, expect more volatility we're mid-cycle year the fed's going to start hiking the economy's getting older doesn't mean recession doesn't mean bear market but it does mean more volatility and that is sure played out jeff the final thing i want to touch on um the balance sheet right about eight, i think it's about an eight and a half trillion dollar balance sheet currently usually i just i always like to round up you ever talk to my wife i'm always like i'm always rounding up no matter what so i call it a nine trillion dollar balance sheet but i think it's closer to eight and a half trillion uh, who's counting government work um you know the, the, the truth is it took them like three years last time before they did a balance sheet runoff Jerome Powell clearly made it sound like they could start this runoff a lot sooner. What's your uh, opinion there? If you want to regurgitate what Lawrence has said in some of our morning calls with our advisors, that's fine as well. Yeah, it, it makes sense that they would finish the taper, which they're doing very soon, then start rate hikes, then um, start to, to shrink the balance sheet. But the shrinking of the balance sheet is going to be very gradual um, and could take a really long time. So yeah. um Frankly, I don't think investors should be too worried about the balance sheet piece. The the interest rate uh, cycle probably deserves uh, more attention. That is the Fed's primary tool. That's something we've heard from Lawrence, uh, and that's what we'd be watching uh, most closely. Yeah, our friends at Deutsche Bank, they did note that they're expecting the balance sheet to still be $6.5 trillion by the end of 2023. So it's like almost two years from now. So we're still we're still gonna have a very, very uh, large Fed balance sheet uh, for a while is the best way to put it. So, you know, all in all, let's put a bow on this. I mean, I don't think the Fed, they surprise us a little bit with their hawkishness, but now with a little bit more time to uh, digest things, you know, we're gonna talk about the stock market very soon. Stock market's actually uh, really started to bounce all of a sudden. So interesting stuff, we'll keep following it very closely. Um, Jeff, the big other news from economic point of view last week was GDP. Uh, you wrote a really good blog on LPLResearch.com. The fourth quarter GDP came in a lot better than expected. And Jeff, I forget the exact number. What was it? Six point something. What was it, Jeff? Um, 6.9. There we go. Way better than, there it is. Way better than expected. But that had a lot to do with inventories. Jeff, talk to our listeners about what that means and you know what it can mean for future GDP growth. Yeah, four points of inventories in there. So actually more than four points. So yeah. really, if you take that out, it's it's um, you know only about a 2% GDP quarter. We might see a 2% GDP quarter in Q1. Why is that? That's not great. Although it is with the average of the last cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, it's because of Omicron in large part uh, and all of these supp related supply chain disruptions and material shortages and all of that, uh, COVID restrictions. So, um, you know, the good news is Almost 7% growth in the quarter is excellent. And we still had over 3% growth in consumer spending, uh, which is really good. But you know, the problem is that pulls uh, growth out of Q1. So it's going to be tough to grow much in Q1 when you have the combination of you know, less need for inventory restocking and you have uh, Omicron hitting in, in January as well. Yeah, no, good points there. I mean, we still are expecting between four to four and a half percent GDP growth this year in 2022. Uh, some of this recent slowdown that might be a little tough to, to get to, but we still think it's possible to get close to four when all is said and done. And let's not forget last year, 
2021 officially, when you look at GDP growth, was the best year of growth in our country since 1984. So uh, pretty solid still uh, economic growth, a little slowdown with Omicron, but we still think there's a potential for a good second half of the year recovery on the economy. Jeff, let's finish things up um, in this section of talking about you know, the Fed and, and uh, fundamentals with earnings. It's earnings season. You're the earnings season guru. It still seems like earnings are good. I mean, literally just this morning, our team had a note about UPS. I know we haven't a ton of time to look into it. At the time of this morning, UPS was up way over double digits, huge earnings beat, really positive things to say. You got to think of UPS, um, you know, is saying the economy strong. That probably means the economy is strong, right? If they're making money, things are being transported and moving, which is a good thing. But how has earnings season overall gone so far, Jeff? Yeah, it's been good, uh, but frankly, people have such high expectations given the blowouts we've seen the last several quarters that maybe the market isn't getting as excited about it as it should be, as it should. The, um, you know, the tech results like Apple and and Microsoft certainly helped turn us around late last week. Yeah, Uh, It's hard to believe that the market was up last week after where we started. Uh, So, you know, that ended up um, propelling tech to the top of the surprise leaderboard. The biggest average upside surprise of all the 11 sectors is from tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, and financials is pretty good too. So, you know, it's only, we're only tracking to five points upside, not 10 or 20, like we've done in recent quarters. Yeah. But, um, you know, if we can do 26% year over year growth in Q4 in this environment, that's pretty darn good. Uh, and the beat rates, you know, the percentage of companies beating on uh, earnings and revenue, really, really strong in the high. Uh, 70s, perhaps the best news, you know, stocks derive their value from the future outlook, right? Future earnings expectations. Uh, estimates have not only held up well, they they started to inch higher over the last uh, week or so. So that's that's encouraging. In my view, just holding estimates where they are during earnings season will be a win. We've done uh, even better than that so far, about halfway done at this point, pretty close to halfway done. Oh, got it. Yeah, great stuff there. Just a couple of highlights. Um, Apple's profit in the quarter was $34.6 billion, all-time record. Um, iPhone sales, big part of that, up over 9%, better than expected. We just mentioned UPS with record EPS. Now, I want to talk just for a minute, Jeff, about Caterpillar, because the headline said Caterpillar EPS beat by 18%. Uh, Microsoft did well also, but let's focus on Caterpillar. But what happened with Caterpillar, though? There's something going on there that's kind of more real world, right? Talk to me about their earnings, or their reaction to earnings, maybe I should say. Yeah, cost pressures uh, clearly uh, took the market by surprise a bit, so that stock sold off on its earnings. It's a similar to, uh, thing to what happened with the banks, right? You know, the J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, and others saw some cost pressure. So, again, this is a tough environment for profit margins, but overall, to date, uh, margins have held up. They've actually been pretty flat quarter over quarter, which is, frankly, remarkable, given all the stuff that's going on, cost pressures and and the like. Uh, So um, sure, there's been some challenges, uh, some pockets of weakness, but overall, companies are managing costs really well. No, absolutely. I mean, some companies obviously do well, some struggle. That's that's what makes a market. But overall, you have to be pretty impressed, I think, with uh, earnings season so far. We'll we'll wrap, you know, we'll talk more earnings season next couple of weeks as we get closer to the end of it. Jeff, you used the word sentiment uh, a few minutes ago there. 
Let's talk about market sentiment. Let's talk about are the lows in, right? I mean, did the S&P 500 last Monday, remember last Monday, um, down over 4% into the lunchtime. We talked about on the podcast a week ago, record volume, all the volatility. And then funny thing happened, stocks bounced late in the day on Monday. And a lot of them closed actually higher. I mean, some of the, the real beaten up kind of Kathy, Kathy Wood arc names that were just crushed on Monday. Actually, some of them came back uh, to green. Huge, huge record reversals on huge volume. Jeff, I'll just tell you a couple more things. I want to pull you in. I mean, we literally had on the YouTube channel, we are sharing this. And thanks to all the YouTube listeners. We we hit a lot of listens. I'm not a lot of listens, a lot of views uh, the last couple podcasts, which is great. Obviously, market volatility helps. So thank you for coming to us when the volatility happens. But on the YouTube channel, we're sharing a recent business we cover called The Big Chill. You've got a bowl literally stuck in the snow. We've got put to record put to call ratios, record volume. Um, we had Barons over the weekend with a cover with a bull like bucking and throwing people all around. Not the most bullish looking um, uh, cover I've ever seen. Just the text indicator, right? Jeff and I had lots of random friends texting us. They usually, oh boy, if he or she are asking, we're probably near a low. So Jeff, I mean, here's a question. Was Monday it? You think we had the washout that's necessary with right about a 10% correction on the S&P 500 with most stocks down, you know, honestly, like closer to 20% if you look actually. So a lot of pain there. Um, was that it, you think? The odds are that it was, but, you know, you never can be sure. Um, and we often retest, right? So um, we could go back to those lows. But, you know, if you look at what the market's worried about now, I mean, you can't really predict what's going to happen with Ukraine. Um, but if you look at the Fed as the driver and you study how stocks do around the start of Fed rate hike cycles, you got to be pretty optimistic, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, even the massive taper tantrum in 2013, in fact, we still talk about that. Stocks were only down six, 7%. This time they were down almost 10 based on the S&P anyway. So by that measure, and again, given stocks do well historically at the start of a Fed rate hike cycle. That might be it. Um, and some of the sentiment measures you look at, Ryan, suggest uh, a bottom. If it's not right there, it's pretty close uh, to where we were uh, intraday lows on Monday. Yeah. So you brought up 2013. Interestingly enough, if you look, there's lots of different ways to look at sentiment, let's be honest. But if you look at the bull bear spread in the AAII weekly sentiment poll, the spread was the uh, widest it's ever been since April of 2013. In other words, there's a lot more bears then there are bulls. Let's just put it that way. Um, again, the most since like 2013, which um, you know, April 2013, you know, fears of the taper tantrum. Obviously, honestly, 2013 was a really good year um, um, for stocks. If we can do something like that again, I think we'd all be surprised. But I guess I'm just kind of shocked, Jeff, that, you know, a 10% correction in the S&P ballpark, I think we corrected like 9.8% on a closing basis. Intraday, we clearly were there last Monday. Um it feels like a little bit more pain, a little bit more fear than I expected, but I, but I like seeing that. I mean, talk to me a little bit about the AAII and maybe, you know, what when George did that study on our team, kind of future results, usually pretty strong, right? When people are this bearish. Absolutely. Um, you, you know, I did another study. So, well, first of all, you know, yes, when investors are pessimistic, that yep. tends to be a good time to buy. Or when the VIX measure of implied volatility yep. and the options market tends to be really high, that tends to be a good time to buy put call ratios, right? When people are hedging against losses more aggressively, that tends to be uh, a good time to buy. Uh, absolutely. And then I also, uh, you know, did my own math, um, looking at after you get a 10% correction that's mm -hmm. in the low teens mm -hmm. yep. uh, on average. So just carving that piece out. So you're not bear market, you're not down 19, 
you're down between 10 and 15. Uh, on average, one year after those lows, you were up 21.9%, uh, really strong rebound. And you were up, um, I think, 12 out of the last 13 times. Wow. And when you, when you don't rebound from a low teens correction, it's because you're in this massive bear market environment. Because the two exceptions, <laughs> well, there's one exception. March of 2000. So we know what happened in March of 2000. That was not a good time, uh, certainly for the bulls. Um, and if you look at when the high teens corrections don't work, right? When buying at a high teens correction is a bad idea. 2007, October. Okay. Again, like the worst time you could possibly buy. So those are two exceptions. But otherwise, buying these non-recessionary corrections is, is a good idea. All right, excellent point there. And I guess the bottom line, someone might say, well, are we in October 2007? Are we in March 2000? You know, we would say um, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, we think the economy is still, still growing. Yes, the Fed is hiking, but again, more mid-cycle. Uh, earnings growth is there. There's always worries. You could argue, you know, stocks aren't cheap right now. I mean, that's a very good argument, very realistic argument. We heard that also a year ago, the stocks were, 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 were pretty uh, pretty expensive, and then they go gain almost 30%. So, um, you know, definitely a lot of cool things to look at there. But the truth is, we do not see another scenario like that. And if you think stocks are closer to, a, you know, 10 or 15% correction, uh, kind of like where we just were, like Jeff just said, uh, the uh, past would say, maybe it's time to, um, to, to, to load up. I've used the expression before, the stock market's the only place things go on sale but everyone runs out of the store screaming. I got a, I got that feeling last Monday afternoon. Uh, a lot of people are running out of their store screaming, even though some of their favorite stocks that they liked were down, you know, 20, 30%. And that's scared people. That's that contrarian thing we like to see. So Jeff, uh, the final thing we're gonna talk about is, is so goes January goes the year, but let's just talk just a little bit more about Sunday, not about the game, but about um, the spoils. You and I had a bet. I was going to send you some Grater's ice cream, which your family loves uh, from Cincinnati. If the Bengals were to lose, what are you sending me again? I mean, I, do I get to know? Is it a surprise? What's what's going? What can I look for at uh, the Dietrich household sooner than later? Now, those of you who uh, follow us on social media might have seen this already, but uh, I am sending you some delicious Kansas City barbecue. Mm. Uh, have you ever had Kansas City barbecue? You know I what? Know. I, yeah. I'm going to say I don't think so. I've never been to Kansas City, so maybe I've had like, you know, a version of it, but never the true thing from Kansas City. I know that for sure. So I was thinking about, you know, between my two favorite places that ship nationwide, um, Joe's and uh, Jack Stack. So I, I chose Jack Stack. Those of you from that area certainly know that name well. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's coming your way, Ryan. And uh, we'll have to get a, a review of that barbecue after you after you eat it, maybe. Um, Actually, it could be as soon as next week, but that might might have to wait two weeks. We'll see. We'll see how fast you can turn that around from when it's on your front doorstep until it ends up in your belly. I like to think I'm pretty fast when it comes to something like that. Um, we might have to have a special podcast where I just talk about it for 20 minutes because people probably don't want to hear me talk about it for 20 minutes, but maybe some do. And we'll just do a special food review. Our uh, Neil, our producer, thanks to Neil. We've always kind of kicked around. Like sometimes we get off on these tangents, but people like it. Honestly, a lot of people want us to talk markets. We're like, man, we should have a second podcast. And we just go on rants for a while and see what happens. And I bet you it almost gets more listens. But anyway. Let's get back on task, Jeff. And um, the final thing we want to talk about is just that. So goes January, goes the year. Really famous saying, but there's some truth to it, all right? I mean, uh, on the YouTube channel, we're sharing it. And as of, let's see here, what is today? Today's Tuesday. So Tuesday on LPLResearch.com, by the time any of you listen to this, it should be there. Uh, I'll do a, a, a nice blog post on some of these things I'm talking about. But when you have an up January, 
the final 11 months are up like almost 12% on average, up 86% of the time. When you have a down January, the rest of the year, final 11 months, up less than 3% on average and higher only 62% of the time. The average year, those final 11 months, up about 8%, up about 75% of the time. So Jeff, the question to you, what do you think? Um, is this a, I mean, it's a warning sign, no doubt about it. How much of a warning sign do you think it could be? Probably not much. Um, I mean, as you know, uh, Ryan, this January indicator hasn't been working very well lately. I, I also just, you know, I'm a, a fundamental analyst, right? And so I always look at what the uh, economic environment is. And so when you look right. at the economic environment where you're probably almost certainly going to have some economic growth in 2022, and you're probably going to have earnings growth too. Could be really good earnings growth, high single digit earnings growth, but certainly we expect earnings growth. That's the formula, especially early in an economic cycle for gains. So um, personally, I would not use this down uh, January as a signal uh, to sell. I think we've still got gains ahead. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in that camp as well. I mean, we, what have we talked about on this podcast a lot, right? It's called market signals for a reason. We were spoiled last year, um, only a five, one 5% correction all last year. We Last time we saw a 10% correction on a closing basis on the S&P was uh, March of 2020, although we hit that last Monday. So you know, that's why we've talked about that in the previous segment. Could be a positive thing, flushed out the weak hands. But the other thing is, this isn't gospel, right? I mean, we pay attention to it, but by no means is this gospel. The last 10 times you had a down January, the rest of the year was higher, nine of them. You had, uh, just recently, these years might ring a bell. 2016, all right, really rough start to the year, up 15%, the final 11 months. 2020, we all know 2020, obviously the, the huge bear market um, with, with the virus. The final 11 months then were up 16%. And then you had, um, you know, a rough start in 2021 last year. Eh, I shouldn't say rough start, but a down, a down month in January, down only a percent. Um, but the rest of the year last year was up over 28 percent. So we just again had had a um, significant drop this January. If you look at recent history, is it a concern? Sure. Is it the end of the world? No. Um, it, it would say, like Jeff said, if the fundamentals are still strong, uh, there's a lot of reasons to think that this could be more of a buying opportunity. The fact that it happened so early in the year surprised us, surprised a lot of people. But are, were we surprised that we had a, a, almost a 10% correction at some point in the year? No, we thought it could happen. Maybe we could even have another one, to be honest. Um, you know, it's going to be volatile in a midterm year. We've said that. But like you said, Jeff, when all is said and done, stocks will still be um, likely, um, you know, up, up significantly where we are now, maybe even uh, potentially hit double digits, which I know sounds like a long way away. But again, look at history. It is possible. So, Jeff, the final thing, and, um, you know, we're going to wrap this up here. What are you watching this week? I know we got a jobs number. Is there anything else this week? investors should be paying attention to? No, well, the jobs number is um, by far and away the biggest data point of the week. It pretty much always is. Yeah. I mean, unless unless you have a, a Fed meeting or something, the, the jobs report is always going to be uh, top of the list. That certainly jobs drive um, economic growth because consumer spending is 70% of the economy, roughly. And it's what the Fed watches most closely, wages. Wages is a big part of companies' cost structure and a big part of the inflation picture. So, um, you know, we'll probably have a little bit of a soft number because of Omicron, but um, we still got some booming job gains ahead. It's just going to take us a few months uh, to get there. We have to get past uh, all of these, um, you know, COVID restrictions and COVID-related uncertainty companies are facing right now. 
No, absolutely. I think, um, you know, there's always stuff to watch. We're in the month of February, right? We made it, by the way. Isn't that amazing how quickly uh, the month of January came and went? Um, historically, February can be a little little on the weak side, a little more volatile, but also, last I checked, it's also the shortest month of the year. It's maybe not as many days for things to happen. Oh, by the way, the last two days in January, S&P up 4.4%. So we had a rough month, right? Lost like 5% for the month of January. We had a 4.4% bounce those final two days. I was looking at that. And I did share this on Twitter. Historically, when you have a big bounce the final two days of a month. That next month actually usually doesn't do all that well. Um, you'd think maybe it's, you know, you're, you're starting to rally or something, but historically that's the case. So we're probably not out of the woods yet, but again, likely trying to carve out a pretty major, major, uh, major bottom here, we think, and a buying opportunity for a likely a continuation of this bull market is the best way to put it. So guys, thank you again for joining. Uh, thanks to Jeff, uh, as always, for a fun discussion. And thanks, Jeff, for sending me some barbecue. I, I can't wait. Uh, literally, I'm glad uh, my stomach's down here, obviously, and the, the microphone's up here. And it's we started talking about, you know, stack barbecue, and I my stomach started to growl a little bit. So I'm glad. It, I don't know if it picked it up or not, but if it did, sorry. But um, it is the year of the tiger, so you should growl a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Um, but anyway, with all that, everyone, thanks again. We'll be back next week with the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast with Ryan and Jeff. Um, weekend off of football. After what happened, you know, a couple nights ago as a Bengal fan or Chiefs fan, I'm, I'm glad there's a break, right? I, I don't want to watch football for a while. My heart is still racing, I think. So with all that, everybody, we'll, we'll see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.